Welcome to the Supremely Intercontinental Podcast, a podcast about fake little hockey guys. I'm your host, Ian Constable, GM of the Banff Rockies. This is our very first episode, and originally I was going to call the league the Supremely Intercontinental Fake Little Guys Hockey League Podcast, but when I tried to turn that into an acronym, it started with S-I-C-F-L-G-H-L-P. Yes, that is a S, a K, and a J all next to each other, so that's a nope. If you're listening, I'm assuming that you're an S-I-C-H-L-G-M. If not, we're thrilled that you've joined us. The S-I-C-H-L is a simmed hockey league that can be found at S-I-C-H-L.com. Some of our vibes will tell you it's all about picking a bunch of fake little hockey guys. So if it sounds like there are still hockey games going on in the world, don't worry. It's all being simulated, and any injuries did not really happen to these people. Although, one was eerily similar. Coming up on today's show, we're going to talk about the recent trade deadline. We will go through the league leaders. We'll discuss some significant injuries around the league. And finally, we're going to wrap up with an interview with the commissioner of the league, Fredericton Express GM, Mark McRae. Around the world, the KHL was the last of the major leagues to suspend play. So having this league to check scores daily is keeping me from going stir-crazy. Of course, last year we had our own shutdown for six weeks, so league GMs already have some practice for this. I, of course, hope all of our GMs are staying safe. I was looking for Sam on the news when they were interviewing spring breakers on the Florida beaches. One of the league's busiest times of the year is the trade deadline, which was last weekend. This year, there were 18 trades in the last 24 hours, with 31 players, 20 draft picks, and 800000 in cash changing hands. Most notable was the acquisition of Jeff Carter by the Vancouver Island Norseman. Now, let's take a look at the league leaders. As of Sunday afternoon, to no one's surprise, the top two teams in the league come from the Canadian Conference. Nova Scotia Schooners lead the league with 96 points, Acadia Golden Bears are second with 95 points, and over in the World Conference, the Kansas City Crunch have 93 points. Individually, Alexander Barkov of the Stockholm Cougars has 89 points. Sean Couturier of the Acadia Golden Bears sits in second with 83 points and tied with them is Leon Drysaddle of the Havana Revolution. In goals, Patrick Kane of the Calgary Mustangs is tied with Steven Stamkos of the Philadelphia Fire Ants for the lead with 37 goals, and a tie for third between Havana's Drysaddle again and Edmonton Supersonics Bo Horvat with 36 goals, just one goal back. The defenseman leaders are John Carlson with 73 points. He plays for the Nova Scotia Schooners. He also leads the entire league with 60 assists. Second is Mark Giordano with 68 points from the Calgary Mustangs. And third is Havana Revolution, Brent Burns. The rookie leaders are Seattle Grunge, Brady Kachuk with 49 points. Then two Frederick Trent Express players, Alex DeBrincat with 44 points and Pierre-Luc Dubois with 43 points. Frederick Trent Express are really set up for the future. In goal, with a minimum of 22 games played, Jordan Bennington leads the entire league with a 9.35 save percentage, followed by John Gibson with a 9.26 save percentage, 
Jordan Binnington plays for the London Monarchs and Gibson for the Whitehorse Huskies. And there's a tie for third between Thomas Grace of the Chicago Tigers and Darcy Kemper of the Las Vegas Aces with a 9.25 save percentage. Binnington also leads the league in goals against average with a 2.07 goals against average, followed by Gibson with a 2.8 goals against average, and Kemper with a 2.30 goals against average. Uh, in wins, Connor Hellebuck of the Havana Revolution leads the league with 43 wins. Braden Holpe of the Acadia Golden Bears with 42 wins is tied with Devin Dubnik with 42 wins as well. The rookie goalie leader is Bennington by a mile. He's 73 points ahead of the next uh, goalie in goals against average and 17 points ahead of the next goalie in save percentage. Now let's look at some significant injuries around the league. The Acadia Golden Bears are without Ryan McDonough for about a week with an upper body injury. The Bernal Barons will be without Joe Thornton for a week to two weeks with a fractured metatarsal. The Calgary Mustangs are without Mark Shifley for about a week with a sports hernia. The Edmonton Supersonics have lost both Paul Stashney and Bo Horvat. Paul Stashney's out about a month with a right foot injury and Bo Horvat's out about a week with a bruise on his arm. The Hamilton Steelhawks are without Ryan Suter for about three and a half weeks with a left foot injury. The Las Vegas Aces have lost Evgeny Malkin for about a week with a sore right knee and Shea Weber for about a month with a strained left elbow. And finally, Anthony DeClaire for about five weeks with torn left knee ligaments. The London Monarchs uh, have lost Ben Don't Call Me Reverend Lovejoy for day-to-day with a bruised right arm. Ben Bishop is still out week-to-week with a sprained right knee. And Noah Hannafin has come out of the ICU and is still out about another two, um, two months with a hip injury. The Ottawa Slammers have lost newly acquired Philip Deneau for about a week with a right-hand injury. The St. Louis Spartans have lost Matt Zuccarello for about a week with a sprained right ankle. The Vancouver Island Norsemen will be without Hampus Lindholm for three to four weeks with a strained left knee. And the Vancouver Vipers are without Alex Goligoski for another two weeks with a sprained left knee. And now our interview with Fredericton Express GM and League Commissioner, Mark McRae. And welcome to the show, Mark. How are you? Hi, Ian. Thanks for having me. Great. Well, I'm really excited. You're our first guest. And uh, of, of course, I thought I'd start off right by, uh, by bringing in the commissioner. And the first question I want to ask you is on your summit profile, I saw that, uh, that you wanted to start the league because you were feeling that uh, fantasy hockey was, say, fleeting and, and just wouldn't, you couldn't keep a group together for a long time. Is, is that right? Yeah, that's true. Um, I mean, it's it's funny um, thinking back to what the internet was like 21 years ago, or how or I guess it's 21 years now. Um, when Kirk and I were uh, part of fantasy hockey leagues back then, like I don't think I managed to last uh, in a league more than a, like a season or two. They always burnt out, um, and so I think. Kirk and I just sort of were talking about like let's just start our own league, 
Um, right. And it simply, yeah, it, like that was the impetus was it, we're just tired of, of get, being so invested in a draft and, you know, on a team. And, and like, uh, I, I remember one league, I had did all this draft research. We had a draft and then that was it. The league never happened. Right. Um, and it was just this so, so frustrating. So, uh, yeah, that was it. We just, uh, we were like, okay, no one else is doing a good league. We're just going to do it on our own. Well, there's 27, 27 other GMs that are extremely happy that you did, <laughs> that you did start this. Uh, do you still play any fantasy uh, sports, any, um, any fantasy hockey? Um, I don't, actually. Um, I used to do a little bit um, uh, once in a while, like I would do a Yahoo League or, or something. Um, but to be honest, um, I find that um, I get so invested in my SICHL players and prospects um, that in other fantasy hockey leagues, I just tried to get the same guys because like the way I watch hockey is I'm usually watching my fantasy players. So, <laughs> so you know, I just, I just don't have the brain space to be track, you know, to be cheering for everybody on every team, you know? So, <laughs> so that's I, really, I mean, also it, it just takes a lot of time to be invested in a, in a team for me. So. Absolutely. I yeah. totally understand that. Um, my, since joining the SICHL, my, my fantasy teams have just gone down the tube because I just don't put in the effort anymore into any of those as that I do in the SICHL. And I've, I find the same thing that um, I'm following my players um, through all the different leagues in the world that are, that are on my SICHL team uh, more than I do my, my, uh, my team, the Calgary flames. So. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I think everybody in the league by, by now knows who my team is, but yeah. um I went through at a time, uh, I think kind of early on in the SICHL, where I didn't really have any players on my own favorite NHL team. And I found myself cheering against them all the time. And it was really, <laughs> like I was torn. It was really emotional. So I, I realized, you know, I've got to at least have a guy or two off uh, on the team. So I have somebody to cheer for. Um, and then, you know, it's, it's worked out much better that way for me on a, you know, emotional level. Right. Great. All right. So my next question is, um, your brother, of course, you mentioned Kirk is, is in this league. Uh, who has more cups between you two? <laughs> oh, Kirk has, uh, oh, Kirk. Okay. yeah, Kirk has, uh, two. I think he, he just won one kind of surprisingly recently. Um, <laughs> and he won one, uh, a while back. He actually has been in the finals, I think about five times. Wow. Um, he and the Calgary Kodiaks, uh, way back in the early days met, like, I think there was two years in a row, uh, that Kirk was in the finals and lost. Um, and then he finally won his cup and, uh, yeah, Kirk is, uh, is much better at being good at, uh, <laughs> at uh, things like, like fantasy hockey. Uh, I spend, I, I get too emotionally invested, I think, um, in my players and I just want my guys to do well rather than, you know, being really cutthroat and, and probably doing what's best for the team. <laughs> and yeah. does, so does he hold it over your head, the, the two cups or the one? No, or no. The, well, no, I mean, no, no. He okay. No. What a nice brother. That's nice. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, he's the best, he's the best brother I've ever had. <laughs> um, 
your biggest rival. Do you have a? Do you feel that you have a rival in the SICHL? And if so, who would that be? Um, you know what? Uh, I would say it kind of changed. I mean, the, the guys who've been in the league for a long time, like uh, like Mike. I I always like I always like beating Mike. Uh, <laughs> Uh, not that it really has happened that often historically, but um, uh, Mike, I, I like to beat. Um, Guy, obviously, who doesn't like it when they meet <laughs> Guy? Uh, lately, the Schooners uh, have been a thorn in my side, I think, ever since he sniped uh, Frederick Anderson for me in the draft one year. Okay. Um, I've never forgiven him for that. Um, and and be, being in the Canadian East Conference, the the Bears and the Schooners and, and the Express, we we play a lot of games against each other, so there's lots of opportunity there. That's right. And um, you had a you had a specific cup for the uh, Maritime teams this year. We did the Lobster Bowl. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and so that was my was going to be my next question was um, has it always been the same rival? But it sounds like there's been a, a couple and and it and over time, especially with those. Those long-time GMs. Yeah, uh, I think, uh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I would say. Is there anyone you've had trouble beating consistently over the over maybe the past five years or even the whole 21? Um, Don Morrison, I would really? say. Okay, White Horse, yeah. yeah. Uh, White not Horse. necessarily just the Huskies. Yeah, okay. Uh, in, in the GHA, the, the claim jumpers yeah. are always one of the best teams in the farm league. Right. And uh, I actually quite enjoy the farm league, and I spend as, almost as much time, some years maybe more time, on my farm lines than I do on my pro lines. Um, so well, I, I get, no, I get yeah. pretty good with the farm. I have, I have, uh, I have no idea what that's like. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I would say Don has always had a competitive team and always a deep team. So, which means that both of his his pro and farm rosters have have always been uh, a challenge. Absolutely. Uh, for me. Yep. Uh, over the years, have there been any particular players you've been surprised with? Uh, maybe you've gotten more out of them than you were expecting. Um, maybe in, in comparison with that other league, how they're doing in that other league or, <laughs> or just more like way more than you expected when you picked them up. On my team. Um, that's a complicated question. Um, I think uh, I'm always surprised by the sim um, in general, where uh, it seems like certain players will get hot for for a short time, and it doesn't seem to have anything to do with their their morale rating or anything. It'll just it, it'll just work for a while. Like right. I mean, this this season. My my top line Pasternak, Krejci, um, and Dubrincic started out on fire. They they were going um, well for the first 20 games, and then they've just really not done much at all. And my second line has has just been on fire. Uh, Alexander Kalorn, who I picked up in free agency, um, uh, a former Express player, back in the fold this year. Um, wasn't doing much of anything for the first three months of the season. And then lately he's been putting up multiple, multiple point games um, almost every night. Um, so I don't know the the sim is fickle. Yeah. Um, I, that's kind of what makes it fun for yeah. me is the, just the random aspect of it. Absolutely. Absolutely. 
Well, that's, yeah. And then uh, anybody less than, well, I guess you kind of answered that as well. The, anybody less than expected? And it's that same, that same trio that started off so hot just went cold after 20 games, right? And you're like, what's going on? But, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think, I, I think the, the top lines are always going up against the, the top defensive pairings on the, of the opposition. So I think that, that, that plays a factor. In it. Absolutely. Uh, is there any one player that you always wanted, but you were never able to able to acquire? Uh, I think uh, Guy would be able to confirm that I started after Claude Giroux um, pretty much the day he was drafted um, and tried to get him off of Guy. I, I kept sending him fairly low ball offers for, for many months and years. Uh, and then finally Giroud turned into the superstar that he is, and uh, I, I stopped asking at that point. <laughs> so he was your white whale, yeah. okay. Well, yeah. he was he was a guy that I had targeted in that draft, and uh, and I didn't get him. Um, and then, uh, yeah, I just always sort of wanted him for several years. and Kind of like uh, I, I did with Pasternak, because Pasternak was drafted and traded several times. Um and then finally, yeah. uh, I found somebody who would trade him to me just before he, he finally turned into the guy I always knew he would be. That one hurts. That one hurts. <laughs> <laughs> now, there's twice now he's been mentioned in this, and uh, the knife just keeps getting d- deeper and deeper. But Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, yeah. You obviously learn to regret some, and uh, that's one of mine. But um, who, who have you acquired then I guess maybe that might be him. But who did you acquire that you were most excited about? Would it be Would it be Pasternak? Uh, yeah, I would say Pasta probably. Okay. Uh, okay. He's he's one of the guys that I that I went after quite hard. I mean, other than him, uh, I remember when I acquired Milan Lucic. Um, it was part of a salary dump that uh, right. uh, Michelle traded me Yammer Yager, who was. I think it was Yager who had like a $15 million contract or something. And I said, I would take Yager as long as he gave me a Lucic. Um, and I think, uh, Jonathan Chichu went the other way who had just come off his, uh, his season of 50 goals or, you know, this, maybe the, I think it was the season after he got his 50 goals. So, right. And you had Lucic then for his great years. Like when he was, yeah, I he was really was good. Bad. And then, and then, uh, then dealt him at the, uh, at the draft. I remember. Yeah. Yeah, at the, well, uh, sorry, at, at the, the summit. summit. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. For yourself, uh, do you have a best moment in the league? Um, yeah, well, the summit in Edmonton, I think, in general. Uh, but I remember specifically two moments in the summit for me. Um, the the night that we were we had the whole upstairs of that restaurant. I forget mm-hmm. what the restaurant was called. Yeah. But we were I think it was all Canadian. might have been Canadian brew house. Yeah, that sounds right. I think uh, so. something that Mike had organized something with the, with the owner there and uh, just all of us guys sitting around and like hopping from table to table and just the trade talks going around. <laughs> I remember talking to, to, you know, Henry about Charlie McAvoy and like I, like I just at some point I just sat there and just let listen to what was going around this you know this big goofy grin on my face I was like this is just hilarious to me that yeah. we're all together a bunch of hockey nerds from all over North America and we're just uh, uh, talking about SICHL so was there was that there was that sure. moment and then you know what for me the other the other really cool moment uh, was uh, Doug Carnes had. Uh, had a few 
like pretty touching words to say at, at Mike's uh, barbecue that kind of got to me. I was just like, yeah, this uh, it's a pretty special group that we got here. And uh, um, yeah, Doug, Doug kind of got me a little choked up. It was, uh, it was pretty cool. That was a, that was an amazing event. And for yeah. myself, that was the, the first, I mean, that was my introduction to the, to the group really. And, and it was just amazing. I, I completely agree. I, I remember, well, that was, uh, the, the, the trades going around were just crazy. I, I don't know if any trade deadline has ever come close to that night, maybe. Um, <laughs> because, well, I remember I, I traded away the second overall pick that night and, uh, yeah, there was, it was just, it was just everywhere and you would just, that was, it was, really was amazing. You're right. Yeah. Uh, so then staying on the summit, um, going to, uh, like what my, from elation to what might've been the, I don't know, scariest moment for you in the league, the thoughts going through your head when the first round at the summit did not seem to save. Oh yeah, <laughs> that was terrible. Uh, I I I don't remember. Like I think I've kind of blacked out a lot of <laughs> memory, and <laughs> until you 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 asked me about that. Um, yeah, I I was sweating pretty bad, and and I was trying not to let anybody know what had happened. Um, you did a good job because and, I had you, no you guys clue. were all. Like, the... I don't think anybody had a clue. Just yeah, you and Mike. Yeah. Really yeah, well. you, you guys were all just sort of like excited that we, you know, we're all together, blah, blah, yep. blah. And then things just weren't sort of happening because I was just slowly trying to re-piece together everything. That <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, it was just one of those, uh, you know, because I think we only had the room for a certain number of hours. Yeah. And, uh, and we were worried about the time. And, and actually, as it turned out, we... We we clipped through the the rest of the draft pretty quickly and it and it was really, really yeah if I recall well after that but that was terrifying yeah it was bad if I recall the this rounds two through seven went almost the same speed as the entire first round the first round there was just so many trades happening mm-hmm. right and and, uh, and sidebars you know just all over and and uh, yeah, and well, of I course the it... interviews after each one it was amazing like, it was so well done but um, but yeah like it was worth taking that time and. And it was, yeah, for all of us, it was just incredible. So thank you for sweating through that. We appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, no problem. Uh, so I know that uh, I know that the I was on a waiting list for a while. It was just such an incredible league. I wanted in. And uh, what about the waiting list? Uh, how what's it been like over the years? Have there been any points when it's just been like uh, in the in the teens, maybe of of people, or is it has it started to grow in the last week with of course, right now while we're recording this, uh, a lot of people are self-isolating with uh, uh, COVID-19. And so uh, has, it, has the list grown? Yeah, I, it hasn't, no. Actually, you know what? Um, I don't think the waiting list has ever been longer than four or five guys. Okay. Um, and uh, to be honest, um, I stopped advertising openings um, I don't know how long ago now. It's probably ten years since the last time I, I posted uh, an ad, because um, we've always had like, you know, one or two, and uh, and lately it's been a lot of sort of guys that that know people in the league already, right. um, and you know, so when you know, say uh, like when Phil joined the league, it was uh, Gary, you know, it was Gary's guy, yeah. Um, 
you know, Gary, of course, knew that we had an opening. So he started lobbying pretty hard for, <laughs> for his buddy to get in the league. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and I think with you, it was Mike that, that had met you through hockey. You guys, yeah, that's right. right. Hockey together. Yeah. yeah. That's right. Um, and he was like, yeah, I met this guy. He's a great guy. We got to get him in the league. Um, um, and then, but what happens is, uh, throughout the year, I will generally get, I don't know, maybe three or four, maybe, maybe half a dozen, as many half a dozen, um, people who will just stumble across the league. I don't know if they Googled us or whatever. Um, like, uh, uh, new Chris, um, I believe if I remember correctly, he didn't know anybody in the league. He just stumbled across uh, us and happened I, to submit a uh, um, an application. Yeah, I think uh, Chris was in uh, Chris is in another uh, sim league that I'm in that's run by um, run by Chris, the other Chris. Oh, other uh, Chris, Toronto, oh, that's Toronto right. Metros. That's right. He runs that other v, uh, the VHL. Oh, so, Maybe I'm thinking of JD, the new uh, assistant GM slash coach right. of uh, the Rapids. Right. Anyway, there there will there will be people who will just apply and uh but sometimes the wait has been two or three years um yeah. like we've especially lately we've gone through a number of seasons where nobody changes so it's kind of hard for someone to just sort of wait <laughs> um yeah. over the years i've tried to encourage applicants to you know follow us on twitter or you know maybe it's like you know do you want to be a reporter for the league you can start writing start writing articles yeah um that generally hasn't worked. The people want to be invested in the league. They want to have a team. Um, so, um, the, the wait list doesn't, I mean, even if I have five or six guys on, uh, on the quote unquote wait list, when it comes time for there to be an opening, I'll email everybody basically. And then it's usually only one or two that actually get back to me. Like the rest have either forgotten who we are or I don't know. <laughs> Or maybe I'm just going to the junk folder. I don't know, but um, yeah, it's, it's never yeah. gotten that long. Okay, interesting. Um, expansion plans. Uh, the that other league again is expanding <laughs> in 21. Um, should we expect the 30th team in 22? Uh, I would say that's a fair guess. Okay. Yes. Great. All right. <laughs> yeah, we just. I mean, we just tend to. Um, uh, I find that the level of challenge and competitiveness and the, num the right number of players exist in the ratings when we're yep. at that, that magic number of uh, two fewer teams than the other league. So, Absolutely. So, yeah. It works. Yeah, if it works, don't, uh, don't fix it, right? That's perfect. Yeah. Uh, do you play hockey? If, uh, if you ever did play hockey, do you still play hockey? I do still play hockey. Well, I mean... Uh, our team is so far undefeated in the playoffs. Uh, we, won our, <laughs> we won our first series, and then our uh, uh, Toronto, the uh, city of Toronto, closed uh, all their rinks right. uh, the day we were supposed to uh, start our second uh, second round. Um, actually, Kirk and I both play on the same team, though. Kirk oh, has great. been on Kirk's been on the IR for most of the season. Oh no! Uh, yeah, well, that's what happens when we get to our. Uh, <laughs> our advanced age, I guess. Right. Um, but uh, yeah, I've uh, I've played ever since I was a kid. Great. Not uh, not particularly uh, competitively, you know. I was like the captain of the house league team. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, I'm, uh, I but I enjoyed the social. 
Great. And any uh, sailing plans this summer? Uh, well, <laughs> uh, before we uh, hit record on this, we were talking about the pandemic. Um, yep. That is definitely going to affect uh, everything. Um, and uh, I'm actually on the on the board of directors of my sailing club. And okay. uh, we're going through every contingency and plan. But uh, at the moment, everything's kind of on hold. Okay. We'll see yeah, whether we like we may just have to cancel the whole thing, but um, I guess we're hoping that say by June or July, uh, conditions will allow gatherings again, so we could right. we we could try to get together. But um, we're we're also thinking long term. There's a potential, so they say that you know six six months from now there could be another sort right. of a, uh, an echo. Yeah, echo. yeah, yeah, yeah. A and then. You know, so if we get all the boats launched uh, and then everyone's sick again when it's time to haul them out, it, you right. know, we'll see. But but uh, I think uh, by the time we get to July, everyone's going to be going to have so much cabin fever that uh, we'll probably try to launch a few boats. So hopefully, yeah. fingers crossed. And I'm, I'm, I was hoping for a good sailing season, but we'll see what happens. You can hear my lack of knowledge about sailing there. Where I was just thinking, oh, yeah, you can just go out, take the boat out. And uh, bring it back. You could sail like just with somebody that you've been isolating with, maybe. But uh, yeah. no, of course you need people to launch so many people. Like, yeah. So I wasn't really thinking about that too much. But so I <laughs> yeah, learned a little I, well, bit here. Learned yeah, I think if it was a if it was a dinghy club, maybe we'd yeah. have a little bit uh, <laughs> uh, a different situation. Uh, but yeah, it takes a yeah. few more people to get together to uh, to launch yeah. the, the bigger boats. Yeah. Yeah, I'm more used to the uh, ski boats, so. <laughs> All right. Uh, um, do you do most of your sailing on the Great Lakes? Have you gone out on the ocean at all? And have you ever thought about a an around the world trip? I mean, um, I've been told by uh, by my girlfriend that uh, if I ever go around the world uh, sailing, that uh, it's over. Uh, so, <laughs> okay. So. I will admit that I have thought about it, but I, mm -hmm. I don't think that it's realistically uh, right. something I would ever do. Um, uh, maybe a, an Atlantic crossing or something, if I had the right people. Because um, that's the thing, when you when you decide to do a, a long-distance sail, you've got to make sure that you trust the people you're with, because uh, you're basically, your lives are in each other's hands. So. Right. Um, but, you know, it's it'd be something that might be fun to do someday. So it's all been on the Great Lakes for yourself, or have you? Uh, well, I grew up in uh, I grew up in in New Brunswick, so oh, okay. I I, uh, I started my sailing in salt water. Um, okay. Not really the ocean, the uh, the warm waters of Miramichi Bay. Mm. Um, uh, I mean, it's you don't have to sail very far to get into the Gulf of Saint Lawrence, which arguably would be kind of uh, oceany. Um, but yeah, since I've had my own boat uh, living in Toronto, it's been all on Lake Ontario and just a little bit up into um, uh, the Great Lake or the uh, Thousand Islands. Right. Right. Okay. Um, thoughts on uh, thoughts on this year's Cup winner? Any any early predictions or way too early predictions for this year? <laughs> Well, let's see here. Let's check out our standings as of today. Yeah, the Schooners lead the league at 96 points with yeah, seven games to go. Yeah, I mean, I think the Canadian Conference is just chock full of really good teams right Absolutely. now. Absolutely. It's not even um, team, right? 
I see the crunch have snuck their way up into first in the world conference. That's the right. thing about the Canadian conference is that I think we're all going to beat ourselves up so much to get to the Canadian conference champion that uh, whoever wins the world might have a, might be faced a, might be facing a tired Canadian team. Yeah. Um, if I were to be picking the cup winner as of today, I think I would have to bet on the golden bears. Okay. Uh, I would say Golden Bears. Tried and, and true, right? Golden Bears and well, I'll say Crunch on the world side. Though I think the Revolution have a have a pretty good shot at it too. Yeah. Mark, thank you so much for your time today. This is this has been uh, fantastic. I, I'm I'm really excited that uh, that I was able to bring you on today. And uh, hey, it's my pleasure. I'm just for, glad you're doing us. a podcast. I mean, we need all the content we can get now. We're all sitting home waiting for somebody <laughs> to do something. Right on. Okay. Thanks so much. All right. Thanks, Ian. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. That'll do it for today's Supremely Intercontinental podcast. Thanks to Mark McRae for joining us today. And thanks to all of you for listening. Have a good one.